Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Most of us are familiar with Isaiah the prophet. He's amazing. We just got done with Christmas. He's the one that prophesied about the virgin birth, the king to come, all these things. Isaiah is amazing. Isaiah lived the same time as these kings. Again, these kings are Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz is who we're going to be looking at. And we're going to be reading texts about them in a minute, but I want to cue you up with the intro. In the book of Isaiah, the very first verse says, Isaiah the prophet of the Lord, during the time of the kings of Uzziah... Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Now, we're going to get Isaiah in next week. He's going to show up with Hezekiah in this text. And, of course, he shows up again in Chronicles. So it's always nice when you can take the historical books and match up prophets for the timeline, where you get them at the same time and you understand who they're speaking to, the context of those things. And so that's important to our background. So we really we have these three kings, and they're, all, they're related. So you have a grandfather, a father, and a son. They, they, together, they reigned for 84 years in the south of Judah. And during this time, Isaiah lived at the same time. And of course, Uzziah, the first of the kings, he reigned for 52 years. So Isaiah would have got a portion of his reign, all of Jotham for 16 years, all of Ahaz for 16 years, and then Hezekiah as well. So this is a background to our text tonight. And so tonight we're going to look at these three kings and their relationship with the house of God. Because we have text for us tonight that links each one of them with something to do with God and his temple and the central place of worship for Israel there in the southern kingdom. The temple that, of course, Solomon had built and is still standing a couple hundred years later. So we start with chapter 15, verse 1. We're going to read about, uh, he's referred to as Azariah here, but his name is used interchangeably as Uzziah. And so he's the same guy as Uzziah. Azariah is Uzziah. So in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, who's in the north, Azariah, that is Uzziah, the son of Amaziah, the king of Judah, he became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that he, the high places, that's where people did their own little worship things, were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in, in an isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, over the royal house, judging, was judging the people of the land. So Uzziah... We can't underestimate the stability he brought with 52 years of being a king. And in the north, those kings were turning over constantly. You have all, Pekka, Pekiah, all these different kings. One would reign for four months or four weeks, and one would reign for two years, and one for 16 years, and they're all bad. So in those 10 northern tribes, the turnover of political leaders and the instability and the anarchy really is quite profound. But there in the southern kingdom of Judah 
where God is protecting and watching over the tribe that would bring Jesus Christ, the Messiah, into the world and the lineage of David. This king, Uzziah, has brought great stability to the southern kingdom. In Isaiah's book, as he's pronouncing woes upon the land, it says in the year that King Uzziah died, that then he saw the Lord in his glory. It's interesting that this man's death, Uzziah, because you don't get this with too many people in the Bible, so this is why it's very profound. When Uzziah stepped into eternity, the prophet, the, the prophet of that generation, Isaiah, has a vision from the Lord, and as he's thinking about Uzziah dying and what that would mean, the instability, especially in a monarchical system where you've had 52 years of stability, even though he's a leper and Jotham's in transitionary form, making decisions as a king, just the presence, you know, when you lose someone like that, 52 years is stability. And by the way, in Chronicles, the resume of Uzziah is incredible from political level. It's pretty impressive spiritually too, but politically it's incredible. He was a great politician. He was extremely efficient in his organization and management as being a king. In fact, I was thinking about this Probably the, the one king you can most relate him to is Solomon in efficiency and management and organization. Jehoshaphat was a really good king between Solomon and him, but I would say probably Uzziah was the best king for political purposes, for God's people and stability in the southern kingdom. And so when he dies, we're told by Isaiah, Isaiah's like, what was this and what was that? And he says, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord lifted up in glory and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory in his righteousness. So he saw when this king died and maybe he's mourning, he's thinking about what's going to mean for the people. The Assyrians are on the move. We're being threatened from a whole other group of people in the north that are more powerful than any people we've ever been threatened by. What does it mean? And he's like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And then the Lord gives him a vision of his glory. Isaiah the prophet saw the Lord in his glory Related to this text. This is scripture interpreting scripture. So when he died. To the day of his death. Until the day of his death. When he died. And the whole region is. What happens now. God showed Isaiah the glory of the Lord. And that's a good reminder to put with Uzziah. Because we like good political leaders. They make our lives better don't they. Like capable politicians will make your life better. If you have a capable mayor. It makes it better for the city you live in. If you have a capable Governor, it's good for the state. And people in America, you decide who's more capable than not because they can leave a state they don't feel is capable and go to a state where they feel someone is more capable. The people have an opinion and they migrate and immigrate and move around the United States based upon that. There's a lot to be said for good political leadership. And then, you know, of course, we turn ours over every four years or you can get two back to back. But political leaders are things that give us stability. And something to focus on to get upset about, I suppose, as well, right? And so the Lord reminds us that he's over everything. And we're told that in the Bible. He's over the affairs of men, and he is. And so when Isaiah was just contemplating the death of this man, Uzziah, the Lord's like, I'm in control. It's a good word to think about because it's Scripture interpreting Scripture. Now, as for Azariah, or Uzziah, as he's called in Chronicles, the reason the Lord struck him, that's a powerful phrase too. Like, I mean, when you think of 2023, things to avoid is the Lord striking you would be top of the list, right? 
I mean, chastening you, okay, we want the Lord to chasten us because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So it's not pleasant, but you know, we're to be trained by it. But the Lord striking you is like, that's, that's like, that's really not good. This king had done so many good things for the Lord. But the reason the Lord struck him, it goes back to the house of worship. He was a great king. In fact, as I mentioned Tuesday night, I mentioned again, he got stronger. See, some people fade as they get older, and their achievements are more, their resume of highlights are more like in their 30s and their 40s or even their 50s. This guy in his 60s, his resume is just building. Like he is, he, his accomplishments from 55 to, you know, till, till he went in the temple to be as like a priest, he's at his zenith of everything, his, his economic strength, his mental capacities, his physical strength, his wisdom. He's that guy. He's like Solomon. But then we're told in Chronicles that his heart was lifted up. That was his great sin. His heart was lifted up. So he became prideful. Now we all are prideful. And, you know, the Bible tells us to humble ourselves. And if we love the Lord and we belong to the Lord, if we get prideful, he'll, we can humble ourselves and he'll bring it to our mind in prayer and times like that. And we can receive it and be corrected by it. Or if we don't receive it from him, then people that love us, like our spouses, if you're married, or people that really care about you, faithful are the wounds of a friend and deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, someone will have to say, like, hey, you know, this is, and someone you love will get in your face and say, this is not a good thing, and try and stop you from being prideful. And then ultimately, if you don't receive it from the Lord privately, and you don't receive it from people that love you publicly, then God's just going to hammer you straight up on public display. And that's what happens. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And that's what happened to him. Now, when he went into the temple, he went into the temple to do the offerings of the priests. Now, that belongs to the Levites. He's from the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi. That's not his place. Or as we say, he got out of his lane. That's not his lane. And he's going somewhere to some of his business. And you say, now, okay, what's so bad about that? Well, apart from the fact that God's word said, don't do that, that only the Levites do this, There's something more to it that's worth noting. There's something that touches here that maybe we should consider about the glory of Jesus Christ for a moment. Jesus Christ is the ultimate king. There's a great king of Israel. Jesus on the cross is the king of Israel. Jesus in Revelation coming in glory is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of the universe. The universe is a monarchical system where Jesus is over everything. All things are made by Christ and for Christ. In him all things consist. He's before all things and nothing was made that was not made that he didn't make. And the Father loves the Son has committed all judgment to him. He's he's the king of the universe. Every living existence in this universe, he's king of it. So whatever fullness a king might have about himself, Jesus is the ultimate king. But with the nation of Israel, Jesus would be more than the king because he's not just for the nation of Israel, but for the church and for the Gentiles and non-Jews. He's, he's the great high priest. So he is the priest. Only Jesus, can be, only Jesus can be king, priest, and prophet. Uzziah can't make him so, hey, I'm a great king. I'm going to be a priest too. Maybe I'll be a prophet too. No, no one takes the, the position of prophet to themselves and only the Levites can be priests. So Jesus Christ, all the king the priest and the prophet, they all ultimately point to Jesus and the ministry that Christ has for each one of us through our faith in him. Because we know that when we sin and we fail, we go to our great high priest, we come boldly to his throne of grace in time of need, and we find forgiveness and we have access at all times. And if we're faithful to confess our sins, 
if we're willing to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from our sins. He's the advocate with the Father. Jesus is the only one that has ever lived that is king, priest, prophet. And he is revealed as such in the Old Testament because he's the king, the ultimate king that God promised to David. He's the priest. He's the great high priest, not of the order of the Levites, but the order of Melchizedek, which if we're teaching the book of Hebrews, we'd go into in greater detail, that supersedes the Levitical priesthood. That's what the book of Hebrews is basically about in the New Testament. And Moses, who was the greatest voice of God ever in the Old Testament, said, there's a prophet coming after me. Him you shall hear. And Jesus is that prophet. So tonight as we're gathered here in this church singing songs of praise and fellowshipping, we are fellowshipping in the fullness as the church of Jesus Christ, in the fullness of Christ being our king, our high priest, and our prophet. And we say yes and Amen, right? So here with Uzziah, when he's like, hey, but I'm the king, I'm rolling, I'm pretty full of myself, I don't need to retire, I'm, I'm really firing on all cylinders right now at 64 or whatever, he's like, I'm going to go, hey, I'm the king, and no one tells me I can't do this. And the priest said, don't do it. They tried to stop him, and he's like, no one stops the king. It says he was furious. I'm the boss, I'm the CEO, I'm everything, I'm going to run for president, I'm the king. And he goes running in there, and he starts, he gets struck with leprosy from the Lord. And they're trying to stop him, and they see him with leprosy. He sees them, and they all run out together. So this is what happened. His heart was lifted up, and he went into the house of worship with a prideful heart and a lifted up heart. And God, listen, this is important. God separated him from the presence of the Lord and even his position as a king. Because he went into exile as a leper, and he was no longer able to function on his throne as an earthly king. He could no longer go to the temple to offer up sacrifices outside of the temple as the king. And he was essentially removed as the king as his son Jotham replaced him. So he was disqualified. That's very sobering. Wouldn't you agree? Worship generation, body of Christ. It's a very sobering lesson from him. His heart was lifted up and it cost him separation and disqualification, and just this incredible life had a very sad ending. Those last couple years were very sad because he did things that, that misrepresented the Lord. Only the Lord can be the king, the, high, the king, the priest, and the prophet. And once he did that, that's a non-negotiable. I do believe he was chastened by the Lord. I do believe that the, he loved the Lord, and, and he just he did something really foolish, but there was no, there was no saving it. That's, just, it was a, that's it. Career's over. But I would say this, this this is what we learn about this. We need to receive reproof. If there's a lesson for us in 2023 from this king is the priest tried to stop him, but he would not receive it. So when I read this text, I'm like, man, Joey, be teachable, be reprovable, receive correction when it comes your way. I don't like to receive reproof, do you? Like, it's never like, I don't wake up and say, wow, it's a great day to be reproved. You ever notice wives when you're trying to reprove your husbands, they're never in the mood to be reprieved? Or is it just me in 34 years of marriage? Like, I don't say, oh, honey, you caught me on a good day. I'm so reprovable right now. Like, just, come on, give me a little more reproof. Well, as a matter of fact, I also want to tell you this. Like, I've never been like, oh, I received that correction. No, I have a tantrum. I get really mad. And like a little son of Adam, I storm off, and then I have to process it and work through it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, honey, you know. But like, no one likes reproof. 
Sometimes ministry is really hard because you got to reprove somebody. You got to call out something. You like, but I, I, you know, you learn to be gentle because I've been called out and I don't like to be called out. So if I ever have to call you out, the Bible tells us in Galatians to do so in a spirit of meekness because I've been called out and I don't like to be called out and I don't want to call you out. So if the Lord makes me call you out, believe me, you, I don't want to do it. He did not receive a proof and it cost him that fellowship that ministry he had to lead the people in worship of the Lord with the sacrifice up front, it cost him access to the Lord and, and to access to be with God's people. And it cost him his purpose. He was alive to be a king. And once he had the leprosy, he couldn't be the king. So he even lost his purpose. It's a very sad ending. Fortunately for him, it wasn't a long time. It was not a long time. It's just kind of like if you ended up in assisted living for a couple years and it was your own doing. But he did have 52 really good years, so praise the Lord for that. Now we move on to our second king, Jotham, his son. Jotham does not nearly get the same amount of press as Ahaz or Uzziah, but he's important as well. So Azariah, Uzziah, he goes into like an exile. He's he's quarantined, and he's been humbled, and that's that. And now Jotham, his son, who's 25 years of age, he becomes the replacement king. And meanwhile, again, in the north, all this instability. Syrians, the Philistines are still on the move, but the Assyrians are the big, the big bad boys on the block at this point. And it's going to affect everybody, especially as we get to Hezekiah soon uh, next week. So now, we come to Jotham. And so again, in chapter 15, we pick him up in verse 32. So this is part two of our three kings. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, because that's just another one of those northern kings, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old and became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Joshua, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, and now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rezan, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, against Judah. And so Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David of his fathers. And then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Now, Jotham didn't live that long, did he? Right? He's 41. That's really young. That's really young. Unlike his dad who became king at 16, that's a high school sophomore, junior, right? That's JV football, maybe first year varsity football or something like that, girls volleyball. You know, that's kind of where he's at when he became king, Uzziah. Jotham's 25. That's post-college, right? So he's working on his master's or maybe he's just doing a really good job at work or he's, he's 25. Maybe he's living at home with his parents, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's 25. We can all understand what a 25, you know, there's a male at 25 is a big difference than a male at 16 is what I'm saying. Or they should be. Should be a huge maturity difference between a 16-year-old male and a 25-year-old male. So the advantage of when he became king, and again, going back to Hezekiah, he saw Uzziah. He grew up with Uzziah, and he's weeping. The Lord gives him a vision. When Uzziah dies, now he's got the new king, the son, Jotham. But at least we don't have a child king like we saw previously, like Jehoram. And, and we, we, he's a man. He's 25. And he's already been administrating because his dad's been in quarantine with the leprosy it's been transitory but now it's official this is our new king now with him like his father it says he did what was right in the eyes of the lord so there's a consistency here they both did it was right in the eyes of the lord that's a an overall 
panoramic of their life and legacy. But like his father, he didn't remove the other upper place, the, um, the high places. So they have the common little link. But that's pretty much for everybody except Hezekiah and Josiah are the only ones who remove the high places. So that's not necessarily that big of a thing because it's more the people and what they were choosing to do regardless of who the king is. Because you can have good kings and good queens. It still doesn't mean the people are going to do the right thing if culturally they just decide they're not going to do the right thing. And so that's a factor in this story as well. So as the northern kingdom is, is unraveling and being attacked and devoured bit by bit by the Assyrians and others, they're still standing strong. He's the king. And we read one thing of distinction about his life that is the legacy of his life. And it is there in verse 35 where it says, he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. So here again, we have a king, now the son, connected to the house of worship, the temple. His identity and his record for us in the Bible is based upon this one thing he did. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now, if we're looking for just one word to associate with each king, from the perspective of second kings, in the case of Uzziah's dad, he was struck, right? That was, that was, he was struck by the Lord because he went to the house of the Lord and went in a lane that wasn't his and he exalted himself for something that he wasn't to be. But he was struck by the Lord in the house of the Lord. But here his son, Jotham, we just get one thing that he did. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. He built something. See, Uzziah was disqualified from something. Ahaz is going to destroy everything in the house of the Lord, but he built in the house of the Lord. And so he really, in our three kings, he's the real hero of the three kings. And you've probably never read about Jotham or even had him on your radar. I mean, it's one verse. But isn't it nice if you've got one verse in the Bible that it says you built something related to things that are spiritual? I mean, isn't it nice that it said that you did what was right and you built something to do with the house of the Lord. That's what he did. So with Jotham, he did what was right. He had no obvious blemish. He built the gate of the house of the Lord. And the thing about this gate, this is what's interesting to me when you study it. It was a, like a direct path from the palace, the king's palace, to go to the house of worship. It linked the political position of power with the spiritual position of dependence from which it came from. Now, when Ahaz is in power, oh, the Assyrian king, he tells Ahaz, because he sold his soul to the devil, to the Assyrian king, the Assyrian king tells him, tear down that pathway. See, Jotham's son, Uzziah's grandson, is going to be evil, and he's going to be sold out. And the king who he sold himself out to, the Assyrians, will tell him, tear down that way between the palace and the place of worship. That's going to be his legacy, and we'll get to him in a minute, which I only share it now because it shows us the significance of it being built. If there's wicked kings that hate something, something spiritual with the Lord, it's probably something good, right? In other words, what the devil hates is usually is going to be something good. And an evil king of Assyria, when he's trying to stop the people of God from doing what's right, whatever he attacks, it's something the people of God should take very seriously, So if kings try and keep you from gathering as a church or singing as a body of Christ or teaching the word of God or preaching the gospel, it's probably a good thing for us to keep doing those things. And this is good 
His dad was good, but was disqualified. And he did one thing in his reign of 16 years that mattered. He built a direct route between the palace and the central place of worship. Whereas his dad lost access to the place of worship because he disqualified himself by going in there. He accentuated and expanded the position of worship in his life. Which is nice because he didn't let his dad's failures define him. Dad's disqualification and dad stumbling him with the Lord didn't keep him from going forward with the Lord. He didn't blame like he could have said, well, you know, he could have been like all those kings of the north that just sold their soul to the devil and tried to appease all these people coming against them and did everything evil imaginable. He wasn't like that. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he didn't let his dad's failure keep him from doing what was right. He built the upper gate. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.